In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them, and blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Joseph, pray for us. Good evening. You can be the one in Spanish. Do they have the one in Spanish or English? Do you have it in English? You give me the Spanish one. All of you have it in English? I had it in Spanish. Okay. (laughs) For a lot of you, it doesn't really matter, right? (laughs) So I uh, was able to put together a a worksheet on Advent. So that'll be the topic today. So uh, we'll first read my explanation of what Advent is. And then we'll try to get to learn... How to live out Advent. So the topic uh, of my worksheet is Advent, come, Lord Jesus, come. There is a common understanding in life that usually the resounding success depends in large part upon the preparation that precedes the success of the project or enterprise. Any athletes here, we say, at least in New York, no pain, no gain, huh? No pain, no gain. If you don't work at it, you're probably not going to be a good athlete. hmm? Another example would be the success of a party in large part depends upon the prior preparation and all its details. So a good doctor, lawyer, Architect, mother, father, priests, or other professionals usually have a serious, intense, and hard preparation prior to arriving at the profession or vocation. In other words, we do not depend on chance or good luck, which we do not believe anyway. Rather, we depend upon hard work, on our part, and of course, the grace of God and his abundant blessings. So it's grace and our collaboration with grace. We have to do our part too. This can be applied to our relationship to God. If we want to arrive at a deep relationship with God, then we must give time, work, effort, and even suffering to truly love God. Jesus wants to be our best friend. For now and for all eternity. This being said, a true friendship is a two-way street. It must be mutual. Both must desire to establish and cultivate this friendship. Okay, birthdays are important. All of us consider birthdays great importance. If if nobody remembers 
your birthday for guests to buy you a gift or send a card or sing a birthday song, we experience sadness. What happened to your teenager? Okay, it was his her birthday and you forgot and you said, oh, you remembered a week later, no? All hell would break loose, right? <laughs> Now, I'm the only one who can say that if you skip my birthday, it doesn't really matter. You know why? Because I have a birthday every four years. So (laughs) So if you're... uh, That's right. You've probably never met anyone who was born on February 29th. Well, you've met one now, okay? I'm 16 and a half years old. How about that? I had a quinceanera for four years, huh? The Mexican girls would be jealous, huh? <laughs> so for that reason, we buy birthday gifts, for the, the best cake, and underline that we try to sing. We try to sing to the best of our ability, no? <laughs> At least we try, no? We sing Spanish cantar, no espantar, no? Right, Irma? So, Jesus' birthday is the most important of all birthdays. Of all the birthdays celebrated in the world, by far the most important and celebrated is the birthday of Jesus. We call this Christmas. Advent, this is a time of preparation before Jesus' birthday, Christmas. We call this Advent. So, let us do all we possibly can to understand Advent, to live out Advent fully, so that when Christmas arrives, Jesus will rejoice because not only is it his birthday, but Jesus wants to be born in the very depths of our minds, our hearts, our souls, and transform us. Let us respond to these questions. Come, Lord Jesus. Okay, worksheet now. Advent. What does this word actually mean? It means coming. It means the coming of Jesus. The coming of Jesus. Okay, below number one, I want I want you to write um, write the three different comings of Christ. So that's your three different comings. Okay, so write down letter A, his historical birth, okay, 2,000 years ago. Jesus was born historically about 2,000 years ago. It's not a myth, not a fairy tale, it's a historical fact. The letter B would be his second coming. When will that be? None of us know. Jesus even says this is up to the Father. So God the Father will determine the end of the world. That's left to God the Father. 
So no one knows. The Father will determine the day, the hour, the moment, and the manner. Okay? Second coming. So what about the third coming of Christ? Right now through grace. That's the one that probably took you by surprise. But right now through grace, God is coming. So most of you arrived at about seven and you started to pray the rosary. Right, Imelda? Did they pray the rosary? Okay, when you're praying the rosary, the full of grace, Mary's the full of grace, grace was descending upon you. I mean, you didn't see it. It's invisible, but grace was descending upon you. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their mess. Maybe we're 40 here. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. So, Christ is with us. Okay, about an hour ago, about 40 minutes ago, I lifted up the host. Do you know what that is? When I said, this is my body, this is my blood, Christ was born in my hands. Those people can come up to receive Christ in the state of grace. In the state of grace, I hope, Christ was being born in their hearts. So, until the, until the end of time, Christ is being born through grace when people are open to it. Are open to it. So it's good that you remember that. The, the coming of, of Christ 2,000 years historically being born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. At the end of time, only God knows. But right now, every time you pray, Honestly, when you pray honestly, you have the coming of God through grace. Every time you pray honestly. Okay, so those are the three comings of of the Lord. Okay, how long is the Advent season? Okay, this Advent is the longest Advent in the history of the church. Couldn't be longer. Why? Because Christmas is on Sunday. Hello? So if, if, if Christmas falls on, on Wednesday, it's going to be about four days shorter. Interesting, isn't it? So this is the is the longest advent, which is four weeks. It's twenty eight days, right? Four times seven, right? So the exact days of Advent depends when we start we start Advent. So that means the Christmas season is going to be shorter. <laughs> Christmas season. However, every Advent you have four Sundays. Okay, the shortest Advent, the longest Advent, you're always going to have four Sundays. 
And if we arrive at the, the explanation of the Advent wreath, you see the four candles there. Uh, so I, 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 teach, uh, I teach today and I teach also Friday. Uh, something happened to me that caused me a little bit of sadness with the young people I was teaching today. And it's this. Is I asked, we had probably about 30 kids, Mary, about 30 kids in my class. I've got about 30, 30 about 30 on one today and then Friday, about maybe a little bit less. But of all those kids, only three of them raised their hands and said they had the Advent wreath. Do you have the Advent wreath in your house, in your house already? Get it? If you don't have the money, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> but get it. Get it. That's a, it's a it's the, probably the most important symbol before the Christmas tree. Get it. And then at the end of my talk, I'll give you the symbolic interpretation. Put it there right next to your, your dinner table. Where do you have most traffic in your house? Put it there. Let them even knock it down. <laughs> but get it. How many of you are, are Jehovah Witnesses here? None of you? So no problem, huh? You're not Mormons, huh? You're not fourth century iconoclasts, are you? No. So have that. Just having that is a way of catechizing your children. Then you want to explain it, okay? But I would, yeah, I had maybe 30 kids. Only three of them said they had the Advent wreath in there. And I fell into desolation. Get it! So within the next couple of days, you go to some place. Some people can actually make it. They're artistic. But make sure you do that for the love of God. And don't make it Christmas Eve. It's too late. <laughs> now, part of understanding our Catholic faith is understanding symbolism. And you went to you went to high school, you people, right? I mean, you don't have to have an English degree like Father Broom, but you know what a symbol is. I hope you do. Symbol is a physical, it's a physical thing that has a spiritual meaning behind it. That's a symbol. We speak to symbols. You know, even hand. Okay, look. You see my hand? Is there a difference between this and this? Or is it the same? It's the same hand, but totally, totally different gesture. What is my friend? I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich, pal. Okay. <laughs> and the, the mass is jam-packed with symbols. People that leave the church is because they don't understand. The Mass is beautiful. It's beautiful. Every gesture in the Mass is beautiful. Okay, for example, some of you have been to some of my Masses, no? Uh, over the, since COVID, I've always done this, but a little bit more. There are about four times in the Mass where there's a silence. Right, Victor? 
Now, probably most of you don't know why the why the silence. That's that's why I've got to give I've got to preach on that too. My brothers and sisters, to prepare ourselves to celebrate these mysteries, let us recognize our sins. I give you a good minute. People get a little bit nervous. I don't care though. What are you supposed to be doing? Examining your conscience. Hello? Examine your conscience. I'm examining my conscience. And I'm making an act of contrition. Because I'm a sinner, maybe worse than you people. I'm telling God, I'm sorry. Have mercy on this poor sinner. And when I say, may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, if I've got venial sins, they're all forgiven. Forgiven. Did you know that? Now you know it. Now you know it. Then I say, let us pray. What does that mean? I mean, it's it's self-evident. Let us pray, that means pray. (laughs) But I give you you at least 30 seconds. And I'm not looking at you. I've got tons of intentions. Tons of intentions. You do too. Your mother said there in Vero Beach, one of the, her friends, her son died, so the Mass there was praying for that person that died, and, and among many others. You just say, let us pray, you're just looking at me, you're wasting your time, don't look at me, enter into your hearts and pray. Okay, the Spanish Mass said it, I gave a 10 minute homily. I sat down for about 45 seconds. Why? Because after hearing the Word of God, the first reading and the Gospel, and me preaching, there has to be about a minute in which you're assimilating it. You assimilate it. You bring it within you. When I lift up the host and the chalice, I do that for for maybe 20 seconds. Why? Why? Because Jesus is present in that moment. You see me one day going into an ecstasy, you'll know why. As did Padre Pio and Philip Neri and the great saints. They, they, they went to ecstasy. Padre Pio would have had a mass that lasted three hours. Really? Read the life of Padre You've heard of Padre Pio, right? Three hours. And then the, the farmers are saying, hey, we can, we get, we're getting into the field three hours late. So he had to obey his superior and do it in a half hour. Because he was so captivated by, in his hands was God. It's not a symbol. Now, after Mass, I sit down. Okay, today was probably eight minutes. Eight to ten minutes. Oh, pobrecito, padrescobit está cansado. No, it's not that. Eh, pobrecito, está rendido de cansancio. Llevayo a cama dormir. No, it's not that. Those are the ten most important minutes in the day. I've got Jesus in my heart 
and I can tell him everything. So why do I why do I do that? To talk to Jesus and to give you people a good example. What I'm doing, as Paul says, imitate me. Imitate me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Stop looking at me. No. Go and enter in your heart and talk to God. So I've told you five okay. Those are five different silences, but each one had a different meaning. Unless I preach on that, you're not going to you're not going to pick that up. That's why we have we have to understand the meaning behind symbols. Why does the altar boy ring the bell? When I was five, I thought it was a, a, the ice cream man. I mean, the first time I heard it, no. <laughs> I was five years old. I, Mom, where's the ice cream man? Where's the, where's the Pied Piper we have in New York? We're good humor, huh? <laughs> no, my mom said, no, that's, that's when God came down. Oh, I didn't know that. Thanks, Mom. Next time I won't be waiting for the ice cream man. Okay. So, t- take, take advantage. Take advantage of these Beautiful symbols. On Sunday, I'm giving a course on my new book. Okay, okay this is my fourth book. I'm a writer. Okay? And it's a book that I wrote on Mary because I love Mary. Hopefully you do too. My purpose is to bring people to fall in love with Mary. As the Filipinos say, Mama Mary, right? Took a long time to write this book. Okay, you were there with me, Mary. A couple people were with me. I spent almost the whole time explaining the miraculous medal, right? Do you remember? Do you forget my talk? No? The miraculous medal, my friend, once again, we're talking about sacramentals. This, this advent is called the sacramental. A sacramental brings us to the sacraments. It's like a bridge to arrive at the sacraments. I spent an hour and ten minutes talking about that little miraculous medal. The origin, Catherine, Catherine Labrin, they told the story of Claude Newman, right? And the nun who received this beautiful, beautiful image. The miraculous medal. And you know, probably, probably in the past eight, nine years, I have placed scapulars. I say probably and now I'm not exaggerating, at least 15,000. I don't think there's any priest in L.A. who's placed more scapulas over people than Father Broom. That's my, my, my arm is a little bit longer, my right arm, no? <laughs> scapular. Why do we wear a scapular? Because we want to belong to Mary. We belong to Mary by wearing the scapula. It's not a good luck charm. It's an exterior sign that you belong to Mary. And before your kids finish with me, they're always going to end up with a scapula. And say, what do you have this scapula? Father Broom, here it is. And then they end up by taking it off. <laughs> At least I did my part. Now, some I gave it, the scapula that my mom made with her own hands. No? Wear it. 
You wear the scapular, Mary's going to protect you. From even, physic, even, even physical evils, physical evils, not to mention moral and spiritual. St. Alphonsus came out celebrating the Mass. There was a guy that hated him in the church. He shot him. The bullet went right to his heart. You know what happened? Went to his chasuble, his black habit, his black shirt, his t-shirt, and it was embedded in the scapula over his heart. and never touched him. True story. St. Alphonsus Liguri, the founder of the Jesuits. I mean, that bullet should have killed him. And the, and the scapula is just light cloth. But it was the hand of Mary. It was the hand of Mary that was protecting him. So uh, maybe um, within the next 48 hours, uh, Imelda, you can maybe visit their homes to see if they have the... Okay? <laughs> you married to... Maybe get, get their addresses, no? If they don't have it, I give you permission to bark at them. <laughs> Maybe put it on, on on a podcast. Father Broom's barking. <laughs> Ready, Freddie? Let's move on. Okay. Okay. So the color in Advent. So the color in Advent is we wear purple. Purple is a color that symbolizes penance and conversion. You ever go to confession? The priest wears a stole, right? Often I can't find my stole and say, who stole my stole? <laughs> so the purple stole the purple garment is symbolic of the fact that we're called to be converted, to change our lives, to leave the good and to accept the good. Leave the bad and accept the good. But there's another color, and you see those candles, there's a pink color. We're going to light that the third Sunday in Advent. That's going to be lighted. Why? And that's a color of joy. Because Jesus is about to be born. Jesus is about to be born. Remember, do you remember when you were about to have your, um, your first child? Remember? Were you joyful? A little bit of fear, too, right? You come out frontward, vertical, horizontal, or what, this or that, right? But once a baby is born, you forgot about that. And you see the little baby with a smile on, the, on her face, right? So you forgot, about the, you forgot about the pain. So it's a time in which we're rejoicing with Mary, who's about to bring forth the greatest baby in the world. His name is Jesus. So that's the meaning of that, of that um, pink candle. And the priest will be wearing pink only twice during the year. The third Sunday of Advent and the fourth Sunday of Lent. We can actually wear pink also. Why? Because Jesus is about to die and rise from the dead. That's a source of great joy also. Amen? Okay, so there we have the colors.
who are we preparing to receive? Who are we preparing to receive? Okay, your teenagers, some of you have younger than teenagers at home, right? I think you do, right? I wonder if you ask most children, who are we preparing to receive? Would all Catholic children say Jesus in this country? I would say no, because they're not going to be getting that in the schools, are they? Well, actually, they can't talk about that. They're pro- prohibited, right? Yeah. I would say I would say a lot of like kids. I deal with the kids in the first communion. I would say probably fifty percent of them. Yes, who's coming Christmas? They're probably maybe Santa Claus, right? Fat guy in the red pajamas with with a white beard coming down the chimney, no? I'd like to light that chimney and fire, send him to the moon so he never comes back again. I would, no. It's interesting, I'm from the East Coast. Everyone on the East Coast has a chimney. You're in California, no one has a chimney, basically. Because it's cold there. So I'm always thinking when Santa Claus is coming down the chimney, December 24th, a nice hot fire. With a rocket, send them, send them to Mercury, not even the moon, no farther away, no. <laughs> I wonder how many children really recognize that the reason for this season is the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And maybe even your teenagers, ask them. What are, what are they thinking about? What am I going to get, right? Right? What am I going to get? What are the gifts? New phone, new computer. They're all thinking about it. Probably even not, what am I going to get? Which in a certain sense, that causes causes desolation in me because they're, they're missing the whole meaning of Christmas. They're missing the meaning of Christmas. And how ironic... Was Jesus born in Beverly Hills? Yorba Linda, no? No? Where was he born? In a cold stable in Bethlehem that was a refuge for animals. How does Fulton Sheen say it? The creator of the world had nowhere to be born in his own creation. Fulton Sheen. Good one, huh? The creator of the world had nowhere to be born even in his own creation. Don't you like Sheen? What eloquence, huh? I repeat, the creator of the world had nowhere to be born in his own creation. Fulton Sheen says he should be the patron of cavemen, right? Patron of cavemen, huh? So, okay, why is Mary important in Advent? It's kind of a no-brainer, but why is because she is the chosen mother of God, right? She's the chosen mother of God. 
over the years I've thought about this. Um, I think many of you have some relatives and friends that are born Catholic and they've changed religions and they become maybe Jehovah Witnesses or maybe born-again Christians. You probably all have them in your family. So let's try to let's try to reason this through. That for me, obviously, it comes from the devil. Because Jehovah Witnesses, God bless them, and Calvary Chapel, God bless them. But what is their attitude toward the Blessed Mother? You go, you go to visit their homes. Well, they come to your homes and they see an image of Filipinas, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, right? Or Lady Guadalupe? Or a Lady of Lourdes? What are they going to do? They can barely stand that. And they'll rebuke you saying, get that out of here, you're practicing idolatry, right? That's what they'll say. Right? You're practicing idolatry. The Bible prohibits us to make an image of God or Mary. That's a type of idolatry. Oh yeah, that's what they can, they'll level that against you. Okay, then you can maybe say to them, I went to your house and you have an image of your mom and dad on the wall. That's idolatry too. Go after them. Got it? And they won't be able to defend themselves because they've got an image of their parents on the wall. It's the same thing. Because we have an image of Lady Guadalupe. What does that mean? By seeing that picture, we love the person that it represents. We love divine mercy. We're not, we're not, we're not adoring that, but we love what it represents. <laughs> yeah. Let's take it one more step. Okay, okay say this person okay, is brought up and raised a Catholic, so it becomes uh, a born-again Christian or Jehovah Witnesses, rejecting Mary, or being indifferent. But okay, say rejecting Mary. What do you think is going to happen on the day of judgment when this person goes before Jesus having rejected his mother? Where is that person going to go? Hello? Hello? I think the person is going to go to hell. You think Jesus is going to let someone come into heaven that hates his mother? I mean... That's a no-brainer. So behind that is the devil. The devil wants to drag us into hell. So the devil can get us to reject Mary, even hate Mary. I don't. There's no hope. Got it? It's like if you come, you come to Christmas dinner to my home. We have a big family. My mom has got nine kids, 39 grandchildren. Every week, a great-grandchild would be born. And my, my family, for American family, a lot of kids. Thanks be to God. No? One of my brothers has eight. My sister has eight kids. So my mom has a lot of grandchildren. So imagine you're sitting at the table with all her progeny. Maybe talk to me, talk to my brother that's a doctor, talk to one of the nephews. And you totally ignore my mother. You're going to have the whole Bloom family against you. 
probably going to say, these, these people probably come from California. Okay, yeah, they don't. <laughs> but I mean, you reject my mother, you hurt the whole family. And they're pretty well educated. They're not going to say something. They're going to say, where these people come from? No, no manners whatsoever? Well, the same thing happens. Those who reject Mary, right? So use that image of the respect for a, a human mother, but also the heavenly mother. We want to defend Mary, right? In all times and circumstances. So I... I, I, my, I, I'll pray for these people when they go before the judgment. I'll pray for them, but I would be afraid to go before Jesus rejecting his mother. That scares the pants off me. It scares the living daylights out of me. It does. Whereas, if I go with all of my defects, and I really believe, as Fulton Sheen says, I, feel that, I really believe that when I die, Jesus is going to say, hey, you're a sinner, you've made a lot of mistakes. But there's someone here in heaven that loves you very much and you promote much devotion to him. It's my mother. Welcome home. I believe that's going to happen my day of judgment. And I hope all the people are coming with me. The same thing will be said about you and you too. So, the more you love Mary, the more you're going to love Christ. It's not the other way around. So, if you, say for example, you honor, you compliment my mother, you compliment the whole family. You write a letter to my mother, everyone in the family is happy about that, right? Even more so about the Blessed Mother. Because we're sometimes lacking in gratitude. We can be sometimes pretty obtuse or coarse, right? (laughs) But Jesus and Mary, they're very refined. Caballeros, right? Damas, huh? (laughs) Caballeros. No, that means caballeros. Good word, isn't it? (coughs) Gentlemen. Damas. Hmm? All right, so okay, Mary. No, I'm I'm surprised. Okay, in my confirmation class today, the next two numbers, not one of the thirty of those kids were able to respond to the next two questions. I was taken aback. A couple of them were actually altar boys, no. Maybe some people here don't know the response here. That's why we got formation classes, right? December 8th? Hello? Okay, so, okay, we have a more highly educated group than those teenagers, huh? So it is the Immaculate Conception. Is that an important feast day? It's actually a solemnity, right? Okay, did you know that she is the patroness of the Philippines? Did you know that? Yes? And some Filipinos here didn't even know that. But she's also the patroness of the United States. So for we, we who live in this country, that's a super solemnity. She's our patroness. Um, the Pope could have chosen other titles, but the Pope wanted to choose the Immaculate Conception as our patroness. Doesn't that give you a lot of joy? Now, I asked another question to the kids. Is 
How many of you can name the most famous church in the world? None of them knew. It's like, any of you ever hear of Babe Ruth? Probably not, but you should. He's the greatest athlete in the world, Babe Ruth. Okay? <laughs> okay, the most famous church in this country is in Washington, D.C. It's the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. We should know that. If you're from Mexico, you know Our Lady of Guadalupe. You know that's the most famous church in Mexico. Hopefully you know that. Have you been there? I have more than once. The kids, the kids didn't even know that. And most of them Mexicans, yeah. I was, I was, I was shocked. Right, Mary? Kind of surprising. No? So we want to work on even, you know, forming the culture of our kids, right? They should know that uh, Mexico, our lady, they should know that. But also, our chief, most beautiful church is the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. So the next time you go to Washington, D.C., make sure that you visit it. Okay? But by far, it's the most beautiful church in the country. By far. And they asked them this. Okay, are you ready? What is the most famous church in Hawaiian Gardens? They couldn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked them, and if you know my name, they couldn't tell me either, okay? You got to pray for them, no? Father Larry, well, I'm kind of, no? <laughs> The kids, they're, they're distracted. Yeah. They're distracted. They really are. No? What is the most famous church in Wine Gardens? The Casino Father. No. <laughs> they don't know the name of the parish. Tell them. St. Peter Chanel. Oh, I didn't know Father. <laughs> A lot of work to do, right? Hello? Yes. yes. You know, the, the secularism has gone so far that, you know, for decades we've had to change from, you know, Christmas vacation to yeah. Easter vacation and Easter vacation to spring. But even just last week during the Thanksgiving, on the, at the, the Betty School right here, yeah. it didn't say Thanksgiving break, it, it said fall break. Okay. So the secularism, yeah. they don't even want us to be right Yeah, that's why, well, for example, the classes I'm teaching the kids. Um, I, I write out my own lesson. Actually, I'm giving them the same thing that you're getting. They have the same class as you have right now. And I don't, sometimes I, I don't know where to start because, not, not that the kids are bad, but they, they simply don't know anything. So I'm, some, uh, sometimes they don't know where to start. What, you know, what I learned in, in kindergarten, they don't know. Because, the, not that they're, not they're, they're not lacking intelligence. They're not lacking. Maybe more intelligent than I am. But spiritually, as you're saying, the society becomes so pagan and secular, and you can't talk about God. You can talk about condoms. You can talk about Satan. You can talk about all those things, but you can't talk about God. I was even thinking, I think we should have two classes a week. No, really. What can you do in an hour? And then you got Thanksgiving break, you got Christmas break, and then you've got 
really we don't have too many classes. I mean, they, they would say that's too much, but what can you learn? I try to pack in in one hour as much as I can. I try to pack it in. But um, it'd be good to have a little bit more, a little bit more time with them. No? And still, I'm thinking of organizing that retreat with chosen to bring them in five days, maybe after after Christmas or maybe New Year's. Not five, maybe three days. Would you bring the film Chosen in, right, Mary? Yes, sir. Okay. And the, have you heard of Chosen, most of you? Chosen? So we bring that in. Okay. Show one episode, half hour. Go out and have a little snack. Come back. Break into groups. And then they can start to share with some facilitators. We have a lot of really good facilitators. Then we'll have maybe a quick rosary and mass. And and do that uh, five days in a row. I hope that we'll be able to carry that out. Now in five years... What are they going to remember? I think they'll remember two things. That mini retreat and the chastity ring. I think they'll remember that too. We'll do that March 19th. We'll get a chastity ring. They'll put the ring on. And what it means is, okay, I'll give this to my husband on the wedding night. I mean, no sex until I get married. That's what it means. I can be blunt with you. <laughs> and the boys too are going to be wearing a St. Benedict medal. That they'll remember. Will they wear it until the day of their wedding? Probably not, but they'll wear it maybe a couple of years. Will they tempted to do something that's wrong? Oh, oh, wow. I met that in the church. It was a mass. You had the priests praying for us. That will be a good reminder to avoid them from falling into the, the spiritual quagmire. Okay? So that, that's in the making. I'm probably the new deacon and I, we're going to see if we can find that time. No? Well, they're going to, your kids are going to say, oh, no, are you kidding? They're going to complain. I think once they come the first day, wow, we're going to do another three days. They're only not lacking popcorn. Okay, popcorn. Wow, look at popcorn. We can get popcorn, right? <laughs> and, and the idea is the kids today, uh, okay, your kids during Thanksgiving were they were they reading Aristotle in Greek and Cicero in Latin? They were studying that. Were they? I didn't think so. Shakespeare? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> but they like the, they like phone. They like images. They like movies. They YouTube, video games. They like that, right? So let's let's get them where they're at. Let's get them where they're at. Okay, they like images. Okay, let's give images images of the life of Christ by this. Jonathan Rumi. And, and this is the very, very Ignatian, right? Imagine the, Ignatius would do this. Images enter in, you become part of it, composition of place, see Jesus, he's talking, uh, talk to Jesus, the way Peter talked to Jesus, you talk to him. So your kids have finally established a relationship with Christ. Right? As a Protestant say, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I like that Protestant lingo. I like it, no? I want a personal relationship with Christ too. So I hope this becomes a reality. Amen? And we got to do everything we can to save these kids because they're going through tough times. No? Yeah. We'll do all we can. I mean, I pray for the spirit of John Bosco. I want to be another John Bosco. I mean, of course I can't be, but 
spirit of John Boss to bring as many young people to Christ as possible. And many. Hey, there are souls to be saved. These are critical years. Maybe these years, 14, 15, can make them or break them, right? Make them or break As we say in New York, make them or break them. Make them, not break them. Okay? Okay. So, Marin Feast say the 8th would be the Immaculate Conception. How about December 12th? Our Lady Fatima? <laughs> okay, so Our Lady Guadalupe. Okay, here's, a, uh, here, here's a tricky question for you. Ready? When is Mary's birthday? Good. Okay, why? You're pregnant, right? Okay. So, September 8th, uh, December 8th is the Immaculate Conception. What does that mean? It means Mary conceived in St. Anne. Not Jesus. It's Mary. Mary conceived. A lot of people can confuse the Immaculate Conception with the Virginal Conception. They're two different things. So, Immaculate Conception is Mary was conceived in the womb of St. Anne. So, count nine months. December 8th, count the nine months, and then we arrive at, Rick, September 8th. That's why we celebrate Mary's birthday, September 8th. Interesting, huh? Nine months. Okay, next. Okay, important saint in Advent, we're going to have mention two. One would be Juan Diego. I don't you love Juan Diego? What a great saint. I really, I, he's so simple and humble and how much he loves Mary. I mean, just I, I fall in love with him and the children of Fatima because they're so, so beautiful souls, aren't they? No? Juan Diego. No? Simple. Okay. Um, so when do we celebrate the feast day of... Uh, Juan Diego. December 9th. Why? Go ahead, Patty, why? Yes, it's the first apparition of Our Lady Guadalupe, December 9th. So she appears four times. December 9th, the morning, and December 9th, the evening. Then she appears when? December 10th. She was supposed to appear December 11th, but she didn't. Why? Because Juan Bernardino was sick. His uncle was dying, so he couldn't leave his uncle, so it happened a day later, December 8th. But the feast day, December 9th, is the first apparition, and that's why the feast day of Juan Diego is December 9th. Got that? Okay, Rick, what happened December 9th, 1979? I think you're going to like this. The death of Fulton Sheen. You know where he died? In New York City, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Hour. 
Wouldn't you like to die in front of the Blessed Sacrament? There he dies in Manhattan where he has his private chapel, December 9th, 1979. He dies in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And he opens his eyes and he sees Jesus. Welcome home, faithful servant. Huh? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, historical reality. I love Fulton Sheen. No? Okay, so another saint would be, the greatest saint would be St. Joseph. St. Joseph, he's the greatest saint. So in this Advent season and Christmas, make sure that you try to go deeper in your relationship to St. Joseph. We had the year of St. Joseph, right? That book by Father Don Calloway, right? Father Don Calloway. Consecration to St. Joseph. Some of you have maybe have that book, right? Thought about maybe another book I could write. How, how did how did how did Calloway how did he write that book? Um, I see his literary style. What he did was he took the litany of St. Joseph. And what he did was each of the invocations, he wrote like a chapter on that. Which is pretty pretty good idea. Why don't we write a book on the Litany of Blessed Mother? That'd be good writing, huh? Give me three months sabbatical with a lot of coffee and the Blessed Sacrament, okay? I'll get my pen out now. That'd be a good book, though. The litany of uh, uh, Loretto is three times as long. Have you ever prayed it? Very beautiful. Those invocations, they're biblical, three words, biblical, poetical, and mystical. Amen? Biblical, poetical, and mystical. Those short phrases. Gate of heaven, morning star. Virgin of Virgins, Queen of Angels. Beautiful titles. And they're mystical, many are biblical, but also very poetic too. So moving on. Moving on, okay, the Advent wreath. Okay, let's... Oh, ten. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, danger in Advent and Christmas. One word that I told your kids. I said, we're going to learn a little bit of philosophy today, a philosophical world. And it is called the danger of, you mentioned it, materialism. That says it all. The danger of materialism. Now, it's interesting, three or four students knew what that was. At least they learned that in school, huh? <laughs> of all the words, no? <laughs> Materialism. Focusing more on the material world than on the spiritual world. That's a danger. And that... That suffocate that suffocates spiritual value. You can't serve God and money at the same time. Jesus says that. 
And they told them to, maybe with the parents, godparents, to view another movie during this time. This movie was taken from a book of the greatest English novelist in the 19th century, you English major. His name is Charles Dickens. Well, maybe Moby Dick and David Copperfield, but especially what? The Christmas Tale. I think that's the most famous movie movie out there. Going through about ten different versions. Last one came out about ten years ago, and it was, it was as a cartoon version. Well, maybe you can see that with your kids. And I know what your kids are going to say. I know mom and dad. I know my confirmation name will be Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> or Bah Humbug. <laughs> bah Humbug. <laughs> oh, no, we won't have that, will we? No. But that's a good one to see with your kids. Because what you have there is a market literary contrast. The Scrooge was only thinking about money, right? Only about money. Until very nation, he is he has the dream of his death. Or Marley takes him to the cemetery. And with a bony finger points, There is your tomb. <gasps> he wakes up, opens up the windows, it's snowing, he sees the boy dragging the sled. My little boy, is the fat turkey still in the marketplace? Yes, sir. Throws a bag of money out there. Don't buy it for me, and I will give you a tip. Brings the fat turkey, goes to Bob Cratchit's house, knocks on the door. Oh, boy, Dad, you're in trouble now. Scrooge is after you. Merry Christmas, Bob. Where's Tiny Tim? Places him on the shoulders. Happy Christmas. And there it ends, huh? It's a classic. That'd be good for your kids to see. Because you see, materialism to the max, the reality of death, very nation, huh? death, death, judgment, heaven and hell. And as a result of, of death, he changes his life and he starts to give away. Because there's much more joy in giving than in receiving. Amen? And Mother Teresa says, give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. Okay, so the Advent wreath. Let's give our symbolic interpretation. Color green. Did I ever quote for you the, the, the poem that I wrote when I was eight years old? Did I? Can I? It's short, it's just a couplet. This is before my conversion. You want to hear it? Yes. Are you listening? Yes. She took off. Okay. Um, it's this. Green is the grass on the ground. Green is the money I found. Amen? <laughs> That's before my conversion. Okay? That's before my conversion. Okay? Okay, so let's go from the paganistic life to Father Broome to his conversion, okay? 
The color green actually is a color meaning hope. Okay, so green is the color of hope. It doesn't mean I hope so. Okay. What does hope mean? Trust. Trust. And you have to have trust. Trust when you've got trials and crosses. If you don't have trials and crosses, what's the hope for? You have to be going through tough times. Recognizing these are tough times, but God will help me through the tough times. Do you ever have a day or maybe a week when you thought you'd maybe not get through it? I did. More than once. More than once, no? But are you still living? Pinterest, are you still living? We got through it. We got through it because God helped us through it. As some of us have been in these dark tunnels in our lives, we think, I'm never going to get through it. But we're here. God helped us. So think about the most difficult time in your life, and you're, you still got through it, and God helped you through it. That's called the virtue of hope. That's called hope. Okay, so the color is green. Circle. Okay, the circle has no beginning, no end, right? So that symbolizes the God is eternal. God has no beginning, he has no end. Whereas we have a beginning, we have no end. Right? We have no we have a beginning, but we have no end. You were born in time. But you're going to be born into eternity when you die and go to heaven, right? We hope. There, there was a time when you did not exist. Think about that. But there will never be a time now that you won't, will not exist. Think about that philosophical principle, huh? Think about it. Once you didn't exist, but you were always in the mind of God, God always had him in your mind. He's going to bring you in existence so that one day you'll be taken up to heaven. Amen? Amen. Okay, the candles. The candles, I'm telling your kids today, the candles are lighted. That symbolizes Christ who said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He is the light of the world, but you are the light of the world too. We're called to be a light. Jesus in capital letters, we in small letters. He's the big light or the smaller light. Have any of you ever been at a baptism? One of the rites is the candle, right? you got the big candle and the small candles. So once you or your, or your godparents are, are lighting the candles, when they're walking, what are they doing when, when they're walking? Why? 
has the light of Christ ever flickered or been extinguished in your hearts? Good question. I was asking the kids today, is your light burning or has your light been blown out? When is the light burning? Every time we do something that's pleasing to God, the light is burning. Every time we sin, now is the time to keep that light burning. Bright. And pass that light to others, starting with your own family, huh? So you see these candles, explain the symbolism to your kids. See them fighting, hey look, you know what Father Bloom said, yeah, that, that light is going out, stop fighting. <laughs> Number of candles. How many? Four, because of the four weeks, Sundays in Advent. What about the fifth candle? Interesting. There's not a fifth candle yet. Will there be a fifth candle? What do you think? Christmas Day. Right, Christmas Day. In the very middle, there's a place where we can place a big white candle, and that is for the birthday of Christ. But you have to first have the first four. After the first four, you've got the white candle placed right in the middle, the birthday of Christ. Yeah, well, well, yes, because Christmas season usually lasts for about two weeks after Christmas. It depends. It'll be a little bit shorter. This, but usually it's about two weeks. So you want to keep that. You can keep. You can keep that all the way until the end. For example, your Christmas, your Christmas tree. You should eventually get a Christmas tree. I've seen places where right after Christmas they're taking down the Christmas tree. No, keep it there another two weeks. That's another symbol of the Christmas tree. Okay, related to these candles. We light candles for birthdays. But we have two birthdays. The day you were born, the day you were baptized, right? The day you were born, your birthday, you know when your birthday is. I hope you do. Do you know the day you're baptized? No. Well, look into it. Do you know the day that your children are baptized? So starting now, you're going to have two celebrations every year. The birthday and the baptism. Amen? Good idea? So you can have cake and ice cream. However, before that, confession, mass, and rosary. Amen? So start with <laughs> start with the spiritual and then end with the social. Say, hey, Father Bloom's got a great idea. 
for your baptism. We're going to celebrate with cake and a gift and ice cream and some song and some balloons. Hey, I love it. But Father Broom also said, a confession mass before. Uh, <laughs> and rosary too. No? Hey, put the sacramental, then the social. Have a proper order. Damn, proper hierarchy of values, huh? I was saying in an earlier talk, I like, I like the number 25. You know why? Jesus was born December 25th. March 25th, by baptism. The Annunciation, what a privilege. That's a great Marian feast day. May 25th, ordained by John Paul II. Amen? Yes? Yeah. I like 25. I like 25. It's good. Good number, isn't it? No? <laughs> okay, so the colors of the candles would be purple, penance, and pink, joy. Sometimes you have in an advent wreath, you have an apple. It goes back to Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit, and Jesus came to save us from the sin of Adam and Eve. Okay, well, did you like the class? Yeah? Learn anything? So, share it with your children, what you learned today, and they're going to be getting the same class, so converse on this. Imelda, what are you going to be checking up in the, the home visits? You're going to be visiting at home, make sure they get the wreath? You have to get their addresses, right? <laughs> Okay, let's say Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us in now the hour. The Lord be with you. And may God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God bless you. See you next week, okay? Okay.